Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Engineer. As the Indian economy struggles to recover after the carnage of COVID-19, there have been rampant job losses over the past two years. Some workers might find jobs as the recovery progresses, but for most, it will be an uphill task. Will job seekers be able to skill themselves for the new age jobs shaped by digitization, reconfigured supply chains, and evolving product portfolios? Even young graduates would need to develop new skills to be job ready. While skilling is much talked about, the changing employment landscape calls for a new approach. In this episode, we will focus on new skills required by micro, small and medium-sized enterprises or MSMEs. All Indians Matter we have on the show Sunil Dahia, who leads the Wadwani Opportunity Program in Asia and is expanding its footprint in emerging economies. The program is part of the Wadwani Foundation. He undertook multiple initiatives at NIIT and contributes to building industry connections for placing 2 lakh students. Sunil has immense experience of 25 years in the vocational training space. The Vadwani Foundation, started by Silicon Valley entrepreneur Dr. Ramesh Vadwani, has been at the forefront of accelerating economic development in emerging economies by driving large-scale job creation through entrepreneurship, innovation, and skills development. The foundation is scaling impact in 25 countries across Asia, Africa, and Latin America. The Vadwani Opportunity Program specifically empowers millions of students with 21st century employability skills that drive family-supporting wages. Welcome, Sunil. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Sunil, according to a Ministry of Skill Development and Entrepreneurship report, only 4.69% of our workforce is formally skilled. How has this become even more of a problem after the pandemic? So actually, yes, From when we look at it from a pandemic standpoint, the last two, two and a half years have been an absolute challenge. More because the entire training piece, which was at the shop floor training for skilling, actually took a backseat. And most of the training happened in the online format, but not on the shop floor format. So what this gave rise to, because the employers were closed, there was a skilling ecosystem, training centers were closed. It has produced a kind of a huge backlog for India as such. And yes, however, this was on one side. However, you know, on the other side, the online learning, you know, that gained momentum. And then, of course, uh, the entire focus is now shifting towards multi-skilling and how what we all should do for emerging job roles or the future job roles as it is emerging now after the COVID times. Yeah, absolutely right. It is generally accepted that small businesses were the most impacted by the pandemic, with many shutting shop permanently. Naturally, this meant that their workers lost their livelihoods. Now, what are these workers up against now? How tough is it to get a job? Yeah, actually, these workers, you know, today it is like, you know, many of them, first, of course, you know, the many of the MSME who are not able to cope up. And obviously, because of this pandemic, you know, closed shops. And a lot of them had to really be, you know, they really lost jobs. But as we stand today, what has happened is, you know, while nearly good significant, let's say around 30 to 40 percent of them moved into freelancing and then moved into the unorganized sector. You know, it's it's more like either freelancing or moving into the unorganized sector. So that is one part. Of course, there is a silver line now that there are certain, let's say, verticals within the MSME part 
who have bounced back and they are almost reaching around 90% of pre-COVID or pre-pandemic levels. But this is more true about the food and beverage businesses, grocery, and you know more of these areas. So the silver lining is it is coming back. But yes, uh, at an overall level, yes, people have moved into you know freelancing and unorganized sector. Also, one more very important piece which happened here. State governments did come up with, you know, helping the MSME all across in terms of ensuring that they can survive the COVID pandemic time. So there were a lot of inputs. And in fact, there were things like there are MSMEs who continue to pay their employees irrespective. And now once they're back, you know, they're fine. But on the other side, yes, all those uh, MSMEs where the real issue was its hands on job right on the shop floor. Those were the worst hit and they had to go back to their natives. Government did open up schemes where can they work remotely from their natives. But yes, that has, has that filled up the entire space? No. It is still the, the workers are still coming back and getting into the system. But yes, that's where we are. And how has the skills landscape changed specifically for MSMEs? Actually, from the MSME standpoint, actually, we work with a lot of, uh, you know, the micro and small business units. And what has happened now is many things gain momentum. Things like, should we do a technology model or a hybrid model? Now, MSME now is completely towards a hybrid solution rather than looking at a pure, pure tech solution. Things like remote working, technology usage. This aspect became more and more prevalent. Another key aspect which started off is multi-skilling. Now, this concept of multi-skilling gained momentum. And in fact, most of the enterprises started looking at it that, you know, the manpower or the training, the talent should be prepared for multi-skilling. Multi-skilling more from a not only aspect of two diverse kind of skills, but complementing skills. You know, how do you prepare the entire workforce on that? That's that's a big learning which came in. And then, in fact, uh, you know, the skilling and upskilling on new age skills. The One of the key aspects is many of the skills which we were talking about a few years back are not even there. And there are skills which we never thought about are emerging. So this, this whole aspect of learnability, whole aspect of tech, being tech savvy, whole aspect of, uh, you know, really working on hybrid models. These are the things which really changed in the skilling landscape. Uh, that's right. And since 2008, there have been many initiatives such as the National Skill Development Corporation, Skill India, the National Council for Vocational Education and Training, the Pradhan Mantri Kaushal Vikas Yojana, etc. But the outcome has fallen short of what was needed. What do you think went wrong? Uh, yeah, this is a very interesting, you know, aspect. So actually speaking, the outcomes did not, you know, while there was a lot of work on driving inputs and outputs, but the outcomes did not uh, meet the expectations. Of course, there's there's one aspect which is obvious, which is, is the pandemic. But I think I'm going beyond that because the kind of the initiatives taken by, uh, you know, the NSDC, the entire ministry, MORD, MOLE, Ministry of Labor, and so many initiatives have been taken at the central level as well as the state levels. But when it came to the real outcomes, how many students really made it to the family supporting wages? How many of them were able to really get onto their livelihoods? Now, that is the aspect which, when we get to the data, looks like the kind of plan which we had did not get delivered. There are, there are you know, three or four key reasons which comes to my mind. One is, of course, right at the base level. 
the vocational training space or the skilling space you know the way it is treated by employers and before that even by the whole ecosystem it is taken as not the primary but the secondary kind of treatment so which has been one of the now of course this is not something which is only in the last 4 years this has been going on so that that's one piece the second part is the industry and the private sector collaboration actually one of the key aspect is most of the countries where industry and academia are together we will see the skilling initiatives very very highly successful india has done you know huge progress in this area but can this skilling can this go early in the life of the student maybe that could be a way of you know answering the one of the gap which was visible then very low participation from working age women i think this is another piece I, uh, you know almost it's even now we are talking we are still struggling between 15 to 20% of the workforce you know as women and we have to go a long long way and of course i must mention one of the last very important point is the quality of the training fraternity or the quality of trainers in terms of one quantity to quality both the sides it's it's uh, how many people are there for training and then how many what is the quality of training so all these areas actually pandemic opened our eyes you know it is can training be delivered online this was a very big question but it answered it so those were the aspects which were the real gap which i feel were the reason for the gap now i think sunil you hit the nail on the head i mean so many of the points you've raised we've observed in industry for so long i mean the fact that uh, training hasn't been top of mind for most people for decades now but <laughs> at least the pandemic changed that it came as a sort of a painful lesson what at least it happened and the the lack of women in the workforce and all that absolutely spot on how would you change the approaches keeping in mind specifically what the msme sector needs especially because the msme sector is the largest employer in the country yeah it's a the answer is multi pronged frankly so let me come to specifically msme so from the government side you know what we think can be done you know in terms of uh, the ease of uh, even if things like uh, you know somebody wants to let's say the ease of entrepreneurship policies today the whole aspect of take an example apprenticeship policy now it is an industry facing policy but it requires a complete kind of rehaul you know in today's time things like when it comes to msme see hybrid model not the tech model or i'm not trying to completely say no but always prepared for hybrid you know making sure that all the talent in msme participates in the decision making this uh, you know might sound as a very you know very subjective stuff but actually the organizations in msme who had this you know survived better than than the others so uh, involvement of uh, you know the entire talent in the decision making in the skilling space lots of msme you know they do lot of training for the people but uh, you know maybe sad to say that the training feedback uh, which is collected and applied later there's a gap on that part so so the training feedback is there but maybe was it really applied by the talent at the workplace you know there could be you know we we do see some gaps in that area no doubt on the other side you know can on the let's say the industry side there are things which can be done specifically for msme which is looking for opportunities in tier 2 and tier 3 you know and i can give you examples of states where you know fruits are thrown on the road because there is no food processing unit and how can that become a solution for as one of the example of an msme industry 
Now, leveraging technology, remote working, you know, uh, the cluster approach, one kind of organizations in one cluster and then developing the market around it. And of course, the things like mentorship and training. These are the things I think we can focus on when it comes to very specifically the MSME sector need. Absolutely. And I think uh, as far as the cluster approach is concerned, the government has been talking about it and certainly was a lot of mention in the budget documents and things like that. Uh, what about capacity building at the small business level itself? Can the small businesses do anything to raise employees' skills levels, uh, skill levels at their end rather than depending on, say, the government or any external source? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is the good part of, of what pandemic taught us. So I think now availability of a mobile handset and connectivity is really no more a very big problem. And every day it is only getting reduced. So we are only getting better and better as we proceed. With a, you know, a digital solution device available in the hands of the, you know, of the talent or of the workforce and the content available all across and the, you know, LMS is available. I think only the right way is to ensure digital solution for training. And then adopting this in the system. I, I must give you examples of MSME who adopted this in this way that, you know, they incentivize the employees to complete the training and apply it to the workplace. So, so that's the way to really, uh, you know, address uh, the capacity building part. So let's talk brass tags. If employees are skilled, by how much does businesses' profitability improve and by how much does the employees' average earnings rise? This is a very tough one, frankly. Uh, but of course, you know, I try to make it slightly, let's say, modular. So while, of course, there are many factors when it comes to profitability, you know, it will be technology, you know, marketing, customer connect, you know, many, many things which will play a role. But definitely the productivity of the employee is one of the key components there. And what we have seen is if the employees are skilled, let me share with you, we did a survey of 1,500 organizations in India, and which was a combination of MSME as well. Few large ones as well, 10 to 15% were large ones, but otherwise most of them were uh, MSME side. One of the key aspects which came in was, the very direct question asked to them was, if the employee is skilled, what premium are you looking to pay him? You know, even at the time of joining, that's one. Then how does the growth path of this person looks like uh, as compared to others. So at a broad average level, most of the industry partners spoke about a 12 to 15%, you know, higher, uh, uh, you know, wages when it comes to productivity enhancement and also in terms of their salaries. So in fact, there are some spaces like EdTech, some spaces like, you know, EVs, where this can go up to 30 to 40%. Actually, this demand depends on which sector is right now, you know, on, on a growth trajectory. And so that's where it will be, but very difficult to say, very, you know, a yeah, common sure it varies from answer, sector to sector. Yes, yeah. varies from various characters. But is, is it possible to talk about this from a gender perspective? I mean, skilling for women and how their wages would rise. Again, very ballpark figures. Yeah, here, uh, uh, what, what happened is, you know, we have seen, uh, you know, if you look at the data today, we are talking about, you know, almost 91 million out of 395 million workforce is women, which will be around 20, 22%. 
but there are some good aspects and i must share this uh, you know uh, because we did couple of uh, initiatives for uh, widows we did couple of initiatives for for girl child and also women entrepreneurs and this was uh, typically run by nsdc so yes this area is one of the primary focus area the good side on the maybe some silver lining is if you look at the pmkby you know the skilling scheme by the government you know 49% of the participants are girls so that's a really good sign and then we are seeing now uh, right from school system you know girls coming into automotive electronics uh, you know the hardware sectors which is which is an interesting trend as we proceed and and definitely with the technology available now all across and remote jobs coming in uh, you know when we were working with even the widows you know the remote jobs they are based in punjab but the jobs were in bangalore and it worked very well for them similarly the northeast states it works very well for them at the same time industry has to also play a very important role i must give an example uh, you know this is uh, uh, shai exports so they had a major problem that you know 80% of their working population will be women but then you know they would leave the company in one or two years so here is the industry then came up with a fabulous program where they can all become self employed uh, women working as vendors to the same organization and then it goes on to 10 to 15 years and they are able to set up their own enterprise and uh, lead it from there but yes at an overall level women participation has to be more and more and more and we we still have a long long way to really bridge that gap absolutely and just for the listeners is uh, information uh, when you mentioned pmkvy i am to we are talking about the pradhan mantri kaushal vikas yojana yes, which yes. is one of the flagship skilling initiatives of the government sunil broadly speaking again would you say there are some skills that are more in focus when it comes to msmes yes and actually you know this was a question which can there is a generic answer then there is a very specific answer so while generic answer would be around you know skills like resilience learnability and adaptability you know which might be very generic in nature but very important for msme but looking at the current times what we are seeing is project management decision making delegation skills and digital transformations now if these four are the emerging you know skills which are required uh, more from the msme standpoint so so i think uh, yeah that would be the current in demand there are many more which is to do with market which is to do with customer and and others but i just put across the emerging key trends which we are mm. seeing in msme sector today the government seems to be of the view like you that multi skilling is valuable for employees and employers because it will lead to more job opportunities job security growth it believes even employers will be more satisfied as multi skilling improves efficiency reduces costs and enhances quality do you agree with this and could you elaborate a little more on how it would benefit msmes i know you already done that to some extent yeah actually yes see multi skilling is something which was debated and so actually if you look at it gone are the days when a person is skilled in one area and you know he can you know <laughs> he or she can retire in that and you know working for 35 years so with technology with innovation all around you know these things have really changed so even when you go down to multi skilling is it complementary multi skilling or it is absolutely divergent multi skilling so these are very crucial you may not see you know i was very surprised when i uh, you know kind of talking to a you know msme uh, sector uh, working on tea plantation uh, working very hard to get drone operators 
Now, the whole aspect is if they have to train the existing workforce on the drone operations, the productivity goes up multifold. But if they have to get for drone operations altogether different kind of people, then everything, the whole cycle works negatively. So actually speaking, multi-skilling is the answer. But very important is knowing which multi-skill to be absorbed. For example, when it comes to MSMEs as a sector, what are the further diversifications they are looking into? And if that is transparent with the organization, then the multi-skilling really is very productive. Look at it today. Analytics is applying everywhere. It was not so much earlier. Now, innovation and analytics is everywhere. So apart from your normal, you know, the domain knowledge, it's very crucial to, you know, pick up those skills which are extremely crucial to your workplace and which is complementing for future. So from that standpoint, I think multi-skilling from the employer standpoint, no doubt will definitely uh, increase productivity per employee, which also, uh, you know, increases scope of, uh, you know, higher wages for them, definitely. At the individual level, you know, it is you are prepared for multiple roles and multiple skills. You know, you are that much more relevant every time. And you don't need to then worry about, you know, maybe even there is a slump or there is a slowdown, you would be always on top of it. So, and that's another big factor of multi-skilling is this learnability because there was earlier aspect I've started working now, learning curve really slows down. But now with this multi-skilling, you are always looking for what next. And if this becomes the, you know, the nature of learning capability and, and that part, I, I'm sure will go a long, long way. One of the solutions suggested uh, was skill vouchers and some pilot campaigns such as the Vikalp Skill Vouchers program in Maharashtra have shown results. Essentially, an individual's training needs are captured and progress tracked over time while adding periodic skill vouchers to his or her account. Do you think this is uh, one of the answers? Yeah, this is uh, actually, uh, this is a very interesting concept, you know, which, which came in with National Skill Development Corporation and Maharashtra government, uh, you know, working with MSDF into this uh, skill voucher as a concept. And no doubt, you know, it gives the control to the learner that you have this voucher and you can redeem it against skilling. So absolutely, as a concept, it really looks very, very promising. In fact, uh, you know, there are countries who have done very well on this and there are countries, uh, you know, who have landed up in, in mess on this. However, in from the India standpoint, absolutely skill voucher, you know, as a concept is the way forward. And the way we look at it is definitely this will encourage students uh, or the learners or MSME, let's say, workforce to learn and proceed further. But I must uh, caution uh, the aspects which are very important. One, of course, is right now, this is a wonderful concept, but maybe the building the awareness of this concept is, is crucial at this point. The second part, many of, you know, one of the key reasons for skilling ecosystem not producing the result as desired is wrong choice of the domain right in the beginning. I cannot stand for eight hours in a day, but I, I went into retail. You know, I'm not the one who, is, who can see blood, but went into healthcare. I'm not the one who can be customer facing, but I'm in customer facing. So those choices of what course to be taken is extremely important for the skill voucher to become absolutely the answer. You know, that's the caution here. But otherwise, I think it's a great concept as we proceed further. And if this can be plugged in, 
then absolutely you know this is a fabulous concept and what are the other potential solutions yeah on this actually i think let me let me speak in terms of you know maybe four stakeholders you know what government can do maybe what academia should do what industry can do and what learner can do maybe one one line about about each one of them so from the government side it's a wonderful opportunity to get into you know this making vocational education as core by ensuring this there's a fantastic opportunity of nep new education the national education policy and you know i'm very happy to share the way it is emerging this might be a paradigm shift right from school education now if that happens we are in for a very different kind of outputs as we proceed further that's on the government side on the academia side there is one key part you know i must give you this example one of the successful skilling models are those which evolve from district level first state level next and national level at the end versus you know going from top down so there are countries who have worked on this model and they are they are really doing well so that this also answers msme problem frankly because if the district level is first and then state then all the opportunities at the district and the state levels comes first then comes the national level so that is the another piece you know the the whole curriculum design has to follow this kind of uh, you know concept coming to industry definitely apart from recognizing vocational skills they should definitely participate early in the academia space so uh, i think somewhere i missed out government should look at how do we make entrepreneurship as a visible career option and a very powerful career option you know versus let it be a you know an additional course or making it mainstream all across and then finally the learner absolutely you know this gives the opportunity of multi skilling application based learning rather than the rote learning which we which we all know a high learnability quotient because they will they will learn much more and they'll always learning curve would be on and finally the the tech adaptability or innovation mindset so from a learner standpoint so if you put all this together this you know potentially will will move into a large solution to revive uh, you know this part Now, Sunil, you would have seen many stories of transformation, both of small businesses and individuals through better skilling. So, tell us your favorite story. See, I, uh, yeah. So, in fact, it's a tough one. I was trying to choose which one should I share, and uh, whether I give you a Haldiram example or Chroma example or Tasty Bites, Amoha, and EdTech. Of course, there's a huge kind of answers there. But I, I, I think let me let me give you examples like. see organizations which have been changing with the time which have been changing with the needs i'll give you a very very good example of this organization called amoha it's a startup organization uh, more of a small i think they would have just reached a, a small category may, may not be micro now so the whole problem see the uh, let me give you an example this example of amoha uh, this organization came up with a vision that we should do something about you know let's say taking medical help to the home so you know so typically a nursing care being provided at home so can we provide a home solution now when they started off you know it was like this uh, they started off and there were big issues and and we can understand the senior citizens it's a very big opportunity and they need this the need of the hr as well you know how can the healthcare reach their home so that that was the aspect but there was a big challenge which they had the challenge was that you know women or the girl candidates will not come forward and they were very good at empathy and other skills in spite of that they would like to join hospitals but not the home healthcare segment uh, 
And then came up this aspect of how do we work out in a way that we make a team of one supervisor, one, uh, you know, one girl and a boy. And then just completely flip the whole story. So now absolutely, you know, uh, from, from their revenue standpoints, you know, they were moved, they were able to move up to, you know, kind of a 10x kind of uh, growth path from what it was earlier. So while this is one part, I must share also the aspect of, you know, things like Tasty Bites. Now, Tasty Bites, if you know, this is an organization which provides raw material to uh, most of the food chains uh, across the country. So when we talk about uh, your MEGDs and stuff like this, so they, they provide the, the food, uh, you know, the, the raw material for food. So this is Tasty Bite. Now, they took a specific project on how do you transform their current manpower starting from mid-level managers to the last level, the customer-facing, you know, logistic person. And you can see the turnaround from that aspect. And we could see them, you know, doing very well, even through the bad times. If you see, logistics was one area which really picked up, you know, at, at that time. Because maybe, of course, one was the pandemic as a reason, but, uh, you know, otherwise that gave them an opportunity to really, uh, you know, really bounce back. So this is something, you know, maybe these two examples I thought I must share. And I must share one more piece on EdTech. Now, on the EdTech piece, this is one of the, you know, most happening area in MSMEC, you know, segment today. And the whole movement from andragogy to hutagogy, you know, moving from a teacher-centric curriculum to a student-centric curriculum, recognizing learning patterns and, you know, suggesting the learning models on the basis of the learning pattern of the individual. So me and you would be learning the same concept, but you love to do it uh, by, by listening to something. And I love to do it by only watching a video. And there could be a third friend of ours who loves to read. And three of us are doing the same objective, but learning it differently. So these innovations, you know, these are uh, two, three examples which I thought I must share with you on this. I think they were very, very powerful. Which brings me to my next question. Tell us about the Wadwani Foundation and the Wadwani Opportunity Program that you did. Yeah. So, of course, in uh, I think in the beginning, you already, uh, you know, gave the uh, intro to the foundation. Yes, we are a not-for-profit philanthropic organization and a global philanthropic organization. And uh, we have been, we have a primary mission of, you know, uh, working on the economic development and driving the job creations in globally so right now you know we we already are there in 20 countries uh, you know in asia africa latin america but very specific coming to skilling per se and the portion which i manage i take care of india and southeast asia markets for the skilling per se and i support the other markets globally but from the foundation standpoint we divided the whole mission into two parts one was job creation which is done by the entrepreneurship and the MSME part. And the other part is job fulfillment, which is ensuring that the talent is trained for the jobs which emerge. So that is the fulfillment part. So I look after globally the fulfillment part and, and our, uh, you know, the advantage and entrepreneurship vertical look after the entrepreneurship and uh, let's say, uh, you know, consulting solutions to MSME and that part. So this is the overall approach which we do. And we are on a big mission to ensure that 25 million youths are impacted by 2030. And we are able to not just say impacted is touch point. So that's not the point. The outcome of 25 million to be able to support their families and grow in their career. 
So, and when we say support their families, we often, we always say support a family of four. And because, you know, many of them can start on their own and get their own, you know, pocket monies to do it. But, but can you support a family of four and then grow forward? That's the mission we drive uh, in the skilling vertical. And on the other side, on entrepreneurship and advantage side, we have a goal globally for 10 million jobs to be created by 2030 through the entrepreneurship and advantage vertical, the MSME and the entrepreneurship vertical. So that's the mission we are driving across. And of course, Dr. Ramesh Vadwani, our, you know, he is the inspiration for all of us. And he is the one, you know, it is his dream to reach, to make sure that we become one of the largest, uh, you know, philanthropic organization in the world. And look at, and the, one of the key part which I want to share is all solutions which you provide, you know, we always benchmark the best available solution and try to then make better than that solution, even though being a philanthropic initiative. So that's what keeps us on toes. And always, you know, we bring out the best solution to the end customer. So that's what is, you know, is our mission. And that's what we are working for. So that brings me to the question that I ask all my guests at the end of the show. Why do you do this work? <laughs> Actually, you know, it is so, uh, let me be very honest, it is so satisfying. It is much larger than, you know, all of us can think. Because here is something which we do at a scale level and we impact an individual's life. We have seen, you know, girls who opened up Government school girls, and this is an example from Delhi, a real example of government school girls opening a scooty, uh, you know, air filling shop under a tree and within four years time now part of Mahindra Electric. Now, so if this is, you know, that transformation and the success which we are able to or the impact we can create to, to anyone's life who needs it. And, you know, this is, look at countries like Africa, India, Bangladesh, Philippines, Indonesia, Mexico, Brazil, all the emerging emerging countries. And to do it at that scale gives us that whole thrill and energy to keep on doing it as much as we can. So that's the, you know, the driving factor behind it. But thanks for asking this question. <laughs> yeah, it's always, I think it's always the most interesting question that I ask. I mean, at least I get the most interesting answers from that. <laughs> but if you, the listener, have a point of view or suggestions on skilling for MSMEs, write to me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Sunil, thanks so much for explaining why skilling could well be the key to sustained growth and a stable economy. Indeed, it's critical to the MSME sector. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in. That's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter. At Ashraf Engineer, that's A S H R A F E N G I N W R, and All Indians Count, that's A W L I N D I A N S C O U N T. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon. <laughs>